go broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia. You are now live from the Midnight Circus. This is Lahamadou. I got a great show for you today. Today, our featured artist is the mean old fireman and the cruel engineers. They got a brand new release out. We'll be listening to tracks from that. And we'll be talking to Ned Bolay, the mean old fireman himself, at the top of the hour. Now, this is the voice of Indie Blues. This is the show that brings you nothing but currently touring artists who are out there making new original music rooted in the blues. We embrace the diversity of music that always has and still is being created from those roots. Now, if you get a chance, stop by our website at makingascene.org. We got some great articles, CD reviews, artist interviews, podcasts, and you can nominate your favorite band in the Independent Blues Awards. In the meantime, I have got some great new music I know you're going to love and some great new artists I can't wait to introduce you to. And of course, I've aimed to misbehave. Trailer by the hill Makes her bread from the meth she deals She got cable TV And the bills I pay Her mama's got the boys And she's got it made Everything's smooth and she quite alright Till the cars across the street Are parked all night She'll be staring out the window for hours at a time Now she's for sure that someone dropped the dime Well she heads to the kitchen to dispose of the scene Grabs a few clothes, fills her bags up with green The Camaro out back, baby, but filled to the top Cause she's cleaning out tonight before she gets popped She got the bag in the back, see this alright Car's already running and she's leaving tonight She got the bag in the back, see this alright Says better shine. The laundry basket seems to be the center of town. The smell of perfume that she knows isn't hers. And she breaks all the china and burns all the fuss. She got the bag in the back. See this alright. Cars already running and she's leaving tonight. She got the bag in the back. See this alright. Too damn long Writing and typing and answering phones But 30 minute lunch of five days a week Won't say a word unless they say speak Well the day has come 
and they're all out of town. The safe's left open as if to be proud. She'll be 1200 miles before they get back. With the note on her desk, read and kiss my ass. She got the bag in the back. See this alright. Cars already running as you leaving tonight. She got the bag in the back. See this alright. She's Fuck!
The moment you realize, how could there possibly be this many blues?
You like gin, missing lime in the tonic Think a little more about your own presentation Where's the appeal for mass entertainment? Touch souls with a good vibration Ignite the hearts in the middle of the nation Climb to the top, it's hard to get there Cut a key for the lock and then we might care We can't put you on till you're ready to go We need beer, can job with the blue note flow Keep plugging away, longer mic checks And we'll let you know if it's time to get set Gatekeepers always keen on keeping you out Leaving you defeated, bitter taste in your mouth
stand me up under that delta sky where the blues gets you Feel good, feel good music to make me feel all 
it up tonight Familiar pain 
the blues Right through. 
Protecting my heart. No one to stop that. No one to stop. Protecting my heart.
They always find water under solid
rid of those jerks. Come on, come on, let's do our thing. Then you'll know what your vote can bring. You got the go cat, go cat, get out and vote. You got the go cat, go cat, get out and vote. You got the go cat, go cat, get out and vote.
artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, 
We bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. And now, here's an Indie Blues double shot from our featured artist today, the mean old fireman and the cruel engineers. And stay tuned for that interview. It comes up right after these songs.
it to yakin in my face I'd have to put you back in your place Cause your silence was stolen Quoting figures and dropping names Telling stories about back in the day You laugh aloud when things ain't funny You strut around like you're real, real big money And if talking was criminal You'd lead a life of crime Cause your mind's on vacation Your mouth's working overtime Short talk is cheap. Don't go making promises you can't keep. More like the song I'm singing, grin and bear it. All I can say is if the shoe fits, wear it. Must keep talking. Please try to make it rhyme. Cause your mind's on vacation, your mouth's working overtime. And that was Ned Bolay from his brand new release, and we've got Ned on the line. Hey, Ned, how you doing? Hey, any better? I'd be twins, Rich. There you go. Now, this is the first time you've been on our show, and we always start things off by giving our fans an opportunity to get to know who you are, both as an artist and as a person. And the best way to do that is to look at your journey, how you got to this point in your career. So give us the story of Ned Bollet. Well... I was uh, I was born outside Chicago and uh, grew up up in New Hampshire, and uh, both my parents were professional musicians. Uh, they uh, were not so concerned about what genre I got in; they just wanted me to play something. So they weren't uh, a little disappointed that I didn't take to classical like them, but uh, you know I was influenced by the folk revival that was going on, and uh, you know a lot of the. Uh, a lot of the local musicians that played in, in various types of, of dance bands, which had a lot of uh, Scottish, Irish, and, and uh, Acadian influences. And, uh, you know, I started uh, started hearing some rock and roll drift in from, from uh, the Boston stations and heard uh, a gentleman by the name of Dwayne Allman, and as soon as I heard Slide, well, that kind of 
got me hooked on, on that as an instrument. Uh, I came down to Boston to go to, to go to school at Berkeley and was there for uh, Berkeley College of Music. I was there for, there for a couple of years and decided that I want to get out and play and uh, do more playing than studying. So played, uh, played all through, throughout the Northeast. And, uh, you know, taste started to change a little bit, and I, I was finding it was kind of hard to, kind of hard to get work. So I, uh, wandered through a few different jobs, and then, uh, I wound up in, in the fire service, which is where the, uh, where the, where the name of the, of the band comes from. So, my time in the fire service, uh, you know, there's occasionally some downtime, so I found myself taking a guitar with me to the station, and, uh, you know, in the evenings I'd, start practicing again and so i decided you know it, it's time to time to get this back going again and you know i had a chance to work with some really great local musicians and and uh you know start to get start to get the music back together and, and out in front of people and uh off to a pretty good start and then the pandemic rolled around and kind of uh kind of put a damper on a lot of things so at this point we're just we're just getting back to uh having the show on the road and having people people hear our music so uh that's that's kind of what got me to where i am now okay now let's talk a little bit about the new release when you were putting this together what was the inspiration that drove this into existence well it it kind of came uh a little similarly similarly to the the, the first album titled box one which was was some blues and 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 some Americana and just kind of a whole host of things that I had written, uh, you know, in mostly in downtime at at, uh, at the fire station. And uh, the second album was a little more, well, it was quite a bit more blues focused. And so I'm kind of trying to get back to a little more diversity in the in the music. So there's a there's a number of different tunes in a in a number of different genres, but the main link between everything is kind of an organic sound and uh needless to say a lot of slide guitar okay now um let's talk a little bit about your process as a songwriter when you sit down to begin writing what is your process what do you like to do to kind of get the juices flowing well i rarely sit down to write I, I may have ideas that are in my head and then, uh, you know, just sort of concepts. And then at some point or another, in just in practicing, I'll just kind of get a sense of what I want, either, either a specific theme or specific chord progression. And then, then, you know, ideas will kick around in my head for a long time and then there'll be a There'll, there'll be a night or a morning or just sometime when I pick up the guitar and it just it comes together. So it's a little different than 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 a lot of people. I don't sit down saying, "Oh, I'm going to write a song about this." Or, well, I have on occasion, but it tends to be more that I it, it, the inspiration kind of comes to me. So there's times there's times things come together pretty quickly, and there's times when when uh, when there's a bit of a drought. But I think kind of I think everybody. Everybody kind of faces that. 
Yeah, one time or another, yeah. Now, you know, every songwriter has a toolkit, whether it's just a pen and pad, or they utilize some of the technology today that, that has been brought to us, like the cell phone, the capture ideas, or a home recording studio. What are some of the tools that you have found to be indispensable to you as a writer? Well, I use whatever's whatever's around. I I, I I tend to gravitate toward pen and paper, and you know, then there can be other adjunct adjuncts. You know, there may be it may be the idea hits me, and what I have available is my phone. I just want to I just want to sing a theme and and capture it just because it's it's in my head, and I don't want it to I don't want it to disappear, and that's that's what I have available. Uh, it may be it may be sitting down and you know in a in a home studio and and putting putting together some some chord changes and, and you know because I have a portion of it together but haven't really figured out how I'm going to fit a melody and or words on top of it. Um, so I'll use whatever I I'll use whatever I can, and uh, you know although I'm you know my, I'm rooted in in the old school. I'm not afraid to to put whatever whatever comes up handy to work. Okay. Now, um, one of the things I think that trips up a lot of young songwriters is when to stop. When to stop the writing process and allow the song to move to its next phase of, of life. You know, going into production, giving it to the band, giving it to the producer, allowing them to kind of have their input. What is your quantifier? What do you like to do to determine when a song is ready to go to that next phase where you can put down the pen? I really have to look at it and and see if it is a complete piece, so to speak. You know, does it have a does it have a does it have a theme? Does it have you know is it is it telling a story? Even even if it's an instrumental, does it you know does it have a flow to it? And does it does it kind of sit on its own as as a as a unit, so to speak? And, you know, there have been times that I've sat down and, okay, this is, you know, geez, I, I really think this is all set. And I'm kind of realizing, well, it's, you know, it's a, it's a little bit repetitive or, you know, the lyrics don't necessarily resolve the way, I, the, the way I would like to. But generally speaking, when I look at it and it looks like, you know, it's a, it's a co- cohesive unit, you know, then it's time to start, then it's time to start thinking about, how it's going to sound in production, and you know what we're going to what we're going to do to it um, to put it together. Okay. Now um, let's talk about the lineup. Who's playing on it? So on uh, on this, uh, the rhythm section has uh, largely been uh, a great drummer with a huge jazz background, Rory Walsh. And uh, he's been, uh, he's a very energetic guy. He's been uh, super, super helpful in pushing things along. And he's also very versatile in a, in a variety of percussion as well. So there's a number of cases where we've put, uh, where we've put that to use as well. Um, the uh, bass player has been uh, Justin Greenberg, 
who uh, Rory introduced me to last winter, and uh, he's he's really he's really fit in really well. He's got a he's got a really nice flow to his playing that uh, that really blends in nicely with with you know how I approach and how Rory approaches. Uh, and on keys, uh, I've been using John Watkins because uh, he's just a just a rock solid guy and. You know, he, 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 he give him a sense of what you want for an idea, and you know, bang, he just puts it right together. Um, and that's kind of the the nucleus of what I've been using uh, on a number of the tracks. Uh, I end up playing a lot a lot of instruments. It's on some of the more uh, country and bluegrass flavored songs. Uh, you know, you may hear me playing guitar, banjo, mandolin, bass. Uh, but uh, obviously, that's not really sustainable to take out live. So we tend to have to tend to have to rearrange it a little bit to to uh, to accommodate the live the live arrangements. Okay. So uh, we've got a pretty 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 solid lineup that uh, I'm I'm really happy to be working with. All right. Now, um, of course, once you get it recorded, you have to get it out to radio and press. And you're working with Larry Kay of Night Train PR. Tell me about that relationship. Well, Larry and I have been working together for a couple of years at this point, and uh, he's really been helpful in getting it uh, getting it out to just particularly to, to broadcast radio, getting people's attention on it. Um, you know, he really. He's, he's really relentless in how he works, and and you know he puts together a, a you know very a very solid package that that really makes it hard for somebody to to overlook. It's like it, it comes in, it looks, it, it catches their attention, and uh, you know that's that's been a, a, a lot of behind a lot of what's been our our success with the last album, Dumpster Fire, uh, which he was instrumental in in uh assisting on and uh you know that that album has been it's been on one or an, or another of the roots music report charts for going on 18 months at this point and uh that's largely just from from him getting the word out so i i, I owe him a big tip of the hat to to uh help and spread the word okay now uh Let's talk about the industry a little bit. You know, a lot of musicians struggle with the defining what success is. Um, how would you define your success in the industry, and where do you find you see yourself on that that journey? Where in that journey are you? Well, I think. I think for me, just you know, coming from the background that I do, I mean, to me, the the biggest success is 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 recognition by by other musicians, and of course that itself doesn't pay the bills. But it for me, that's that's kind of one of the things you know. I have to remain true to the music and be comfortable with the music I'm putting out, and, and that's partly why I got away from from playing professionally for for the better part of 15 years and uh you know getting back and being able to be true to the music and you know finding the outlets where people are listening to the to the type of you know types of genres i mean i sort of consider it to be on a continuum really but 
you know the overall the sounds that I'm that I'm producing and and we're putting together. Um, you know, and the more the more people that hear it, well, great. Um, but I, I to me to be successful, I have to remain true to the music. Okay. Now, uh, one of the things I think is the elephant in the room, and in, in, in the conversation that we are all having in the industry, is that streaming is the way that the consumers are consuming music. Um, they're paying less, they're, they're uh, consuming more of the music, um, but it's a double-edged sword. On the one hand, you know, me being someone of a certain age, I have purchased my music on vinyl, 8-track, cassette, CD, downloads. I'm a little tired of buying it over and over again. And, you know, for 10 or $15 a month, I now have access to over 100 years of recorded music at the flick of a finger. On the negative side, the consumer um, no longer looks at recorded music as something to purchase anymore. It's now a service. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's lost that status of product. Uh, and we as artists are not being compensated in a fair manner where, we, you know, you can't make a living off of what you record in the studio. In fact, it's it's almost impossible to even break even on that project. Um, tell me a little bit about um, how that is affecting you as an artist. Well, going back about seven or eight years ago, I was was uh, in in the Woodstock, New York area. Was chatting with with a uh, local musician there that some people probably probably remember, John Hall from from uh, Orleans and the John Hall Band. Oh yeah. And he, even then, uh, you know, he was talking about uh, actually at that time he had just retired from politics. Interestingly enough, and he was talking about yeah, you know, I got to, I got this check from from Spotify for this stuff that we put out in the seventies. He said, uh, you know, it was it was for seventeen fifty. <laughs> I'm thinking, wow, um, yeah, this is where things are heading. Um, you know what it's turned into is that you know you have to you have to treat it as a business, and you have to look at you know where you can you know where you can where you can bring in cash uh you know some some people will some people will, will work it through you know treat it as you know they'll be an influencer uh and try and work social media that way uh, other people will try to sell sell merch uh, you know the live show is really you know now that we're we're back out there again the live show is kind of still a source of cash once you once you actually you know get to a, a reasonable level so ultimately you kind of have to look at at you know the entire market that goes you know well beyond well beyond just you know the music right. but also you know what what else goes along with that um you know bands like uh the almond brothers before they they broke up i remember they were they were selling cds of of the recordings of the show you know they were burning them right there in the in the parking lot and selling them and i thought wow now there's you know 
there's a case of taking the technology and and putting it to to work. It, you know, at this point now, a lot of times you you say to somebody, "Oh, here, you know, you, you know, check out my CD," and they're like, "Well, I don't have anything to play it on." <laughs> so right. You know, the technology has has come in this big circle, and uh, you know what has happened is, you know. 30, 40 years ago, it was incredibly expensive to produce a, a good-sounding single or album. You, you went into the studio and, you know, paid paid a steep hourly rate, and you had to buy a, a reel of tape that, you know, cost 100 bucks. And, you know, just doing that was a big expense. And then you also faced, you know, just a, a lot of issues with distribution. You know, how do you get the music out to people? And you pretty much had to rely on on the traditional channels dominated by by the by the music industry, and the technology has liberated musicians in a lot of ways. You know, now you can you can set yourself up with a, a home studio and do you know do quite a bit of tracking and you know put put things together. You don't even necessarily don't even necessarily have to be in the same room or time zone or continent even to uh you know to put to put things together and you can get a really professional sound and likewise the streaming services have made it possible to get your music out there you know whether it's whether it's spotify or deezer or bandcamp or you know soundcloud what have you and you know the flip side of it is yes you can get you can put it together you can get it out there and sounding good and then the question is you know how do you make that sustainable and you know that's definitely the 64 dollar question you know how how do you how do you pay the bills um by getting you know by getting out there and you know how do you do it and it really takes a kind of a different approach to say okay you know what what are people looking for how do they identify with with your music and you as a brand and uh you know that that just takes a takes a little different approach than than a lot of uh than a lot of musicians necessarily are ready to do i mean you know i'll admit it in the 80s i thought i i thought mtv was going to be a passing fad and uh you know now you can't you really can't get any attention paid to you if you don't have something on video and uh, you know you need to you need to have a presence in in a lot of different locations for people to really really get to know what you're about. Yeah, you definitely do. Well, you know the the and and the cost of these things have gone down. I mean, today you know we're all walking around with a video production studio in our pockets. You know, uh, our cell phones now shoot in 4K. They uh, you can get editing software. You can create videos using your cell phone. So you know you don't need those expensive cameras and things anymore. Um, you know, uh, one of the things that uh, I've been looking at, and, and like you said, we don't get compensated fairly uh, on these uh, streaming platforms. And, you know, it's not really sustainable to keep doing it the way they've been doing it. You know, you, you there was an article that came out that uh, the guy, Elk, who, who owns Spotify, is worth $4 billion, three times the amount of money that Paul McCartney is, is worth. 
and here's the most prolific songwriter in our time and he doesn't own you know have as, as much wealth as this guy who created a streaming platform that is really uh, making his money off the back of artists themselves. And if you think about it, I mean, the independent artists, we supply the bulk of his content, maybe not the bulk of the monies that, that are generated, but the bulk of the content. And, um, you know, like I said, the, the statistics are that I think there's 20,000 songs a week that are going up on Spotify. So we need to change the dynamic here. Um, and if you look at the digital revolution as a timeline the one thing that i've noticed is that it is littered with companies that we all thought were going to be around forever and and you know control the music industry uh limewire you know was replaced by napster um napster was replaced by apple and itunes and the ipad i mean the ipod um you know, and, and Apple was replaced by Spotify, you know, and all those iPods are sitting in the kitchen junk drawer. Um, and now Spotify, you know, everyone's saying, just like Apple and all the other predecessors, is that it's going to be around forever. Well, it's not. It's going to get replaced somewhere down the line. And one of the things I'm watching are these new streaming platforms that are developed utilizing the blockchain, that technology from cryptocurrency. And the advantage of that is that they are... Um, decentralized. In other words, no one person or company can own them. They're owned by the fans and by the artists who put up their content. And they're claiming that uh, it only takes 20% of the incoming revenue to run the network and the other 80% is can be funneled directly back to the artist. What do you think of that as a potential for the future of the industry? Well, I think that, you know, I'll say cautiously, uh, the potential is there and, and the question is, you know, can it be, can it be executed? You know, uh, 18, 24 months ago, everybody was talking about NFTs, we're going to save the music industry. And they seem to have kind of lost their shine, yet, you know, there may be some variation of that that's going to work. Um, you know, I'm, I'm game for anything that that puts a little bit more back toward the uh, toward the creators, because you know without that all you've got is a streaming platform with nothing on it. I mean, granted, there's always you know somebody's always going to do something, and despite how Spotify seems somewhat democratic, it's it's still heavily dominated by the major labels, and and the algorithms are. Are tend to be skewed by, you know, by by influence of 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 those those entities, right? I think in the long, you know, I think in the long run, it's going to take something like that. But I think also, you know, where I hold out hope is you you can't replace the experience of live music. You know, you can sit there and listen to, you know, you can sit there and listen to something on your you know, on on your phone with you know a, a nice set of earbuds, but that's never going to be the same experience of 
you know, being at a concert with a good sound system and, you know, listen, listening to a funky backbeat with a, you know, with a kick drum and a bass guitar that's, that's basically kicking in the chest and you're with thousands of other people that are having the same experience. And, you know, that's something, I don't see that ever, you know, going away, it's at least certainly not in my lifetime. I mean, you know, maybe they'll, you know, maybe the technology will come around to some sort of alternate alternate reality that uh, that can duplicate that. But I think even then, you're missing the social aspect of of you know being being in the venue, being with other people of like mind, enjoying the same the same thing, experiencing the same experience. You know, it's it's about the experience, right. And, and I agree with you 100%. There's nothing like music in the moment. You know, that, that experience of watching musicians create in that moment, that experience. Um, and it's funny you mentioned the NFTs uh, because um, one of the other companies that I'm watching very closely, and with the streaming, there's a, there's a site called uh, audius.co that has the backing of like Katy Perry and Jason Derulo. Uh, so it's got some major backing and, and artists that are, that are supporting it. So I have a feeling that that, you know, as the artists start to realize, hey, there's more money to be made if we walk away from this and go over to here, and the fans will follow. Um, you know, as they followed them from iTunes to Spotify, so you know the fans will go. They're they're a fickle bunch. Um, but you had mentioned the NFTs. Now, when the when I first started looking in NFTs, none of it made any damn sense. Um, I started looking at Crypto Kitties and and Crypto Punks, and I said, really. Am I going to spend, if I had a million dollars, would I spend it on an 8-bit graphic that, you know, uh, looked like, you know, it was created in the 1980s? No, I wouldn't. But when you apply it to the music industry, it becomes another animal. Now, there's a site called Royal.io. And what they let you do is create these NFTs that represent a small portion of your streaming or your publishing royalties. And one of the rap artists utilizes this site. And what he did is he made enough NFTs to cover one half of the streaming royalties on two songs off his last release sold it to his fan base, was able to generate almost $600,000 in upfront income. In addition, he now had over 3,000 fans that had an economic interest in making sure his music is streamed. On top of that, these things are bought and sold on an open market. And he gets a commission off of all the resale of these. It's almost like buying stock in your favorite song. Um, and I could see this um, business model taking the place of the record company. 
Because, I mean, let's face it, you know, if you were to get a record contract, the first thing they're going to want is your, your publishing. Then they're going to want your streaming. And, you know, uh, it's it's really nothing more than a bad loan with bad terms, you know, when you think about it. So why give it to a record company or a corporation when you can have your fans rather than, you know, just donate to you, but actually invest in you as an artist. What do you think of that as a potential business model? Well, I think it's some I think it's things like that that are gonna, you know, lend some some possibilities to something that's a little more sustainable. And, you know, I have a a, a dear friend that I, I grew up with very, very good friend in my my teens and early twenties was now a major executive for a, a record company I'm not going to name, and you know I asked him I asked him about ten years ago. It's like, well, you know, how, how are things going? And he said, you know, I, I feel like I'm the captain of the Titanic. And I think what's you know I think I think ultimately I think ultimately Spotify was the iceberg, but um, I think you know I, I think it's basically time to reform a lot of this. I mean, the whole concept of a of a record company is kind of marvelously outdated in this era. So I think they're they're looking at how they can reinvent themselves to, to remain relevant. And, and I think ultimately things are going to have to become uh, either a little more democratic, so to speak, you know, where, where things are, uh, you know, where the revenue is is distributed fairly or you know you're just going to kind of see a lot of the you know a lot of the incentive to be putting music out there is you know quality music out there is going to be is going to be going and you know ultimately you're going to hear you know on the on the major streaming services you're just going to hear what the algorithm is telling you to you know you want to hear and you know if 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 everything's dominated by these commercial interests you're you're going to get kind of commercial music. Right. You're going to get, you know, what, um, you know, what is generating income for the corporations and the board of directors and the stockholders, um, you know, as opposed to, you know, an artist who's independent, you know, coming up and, and you know, um, and doing the job, you know, uh, which I think is, is where we're headed. I think we're headed to a more... Um, Artist to fan direct relationship as opposed to being buffered by a corporate entity. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I certainly, I certainly hope so. You know, again, the technology is there for it to happen. You know, people have made lots of money by exploiting it at this point, but there's no reason that that can't be duplicated in a in a more economically uh, fair manner. Right. I, and I agree. Now, you know, one of the big buzzwords in the industry today has been artificial intelligence. Um, you know, and it's been brought to the light with the SIG after strike and yada, yada. Um, but for the music industry, 
it um, has brought a, a large collection of tools that are getting better and better, not only for the musician, but for the songwriter, the composer, um, that help write lyrics, that help write melodies, chord progressions, beats, you name it. You can find a, a, a tool to help you, you know, um, battle the blank page. Let's put it that way. Uh, even Ed Sheeran admitted that he um, utilized some of these uh, lyric writing uh, AI software as idea generators. Um, and, you know, we as songwriters were constantly looking for that turn of phrase in a conversation that we either have or overhear or we see a meme on the Internet, whatever it may be. So getting it from AI is not beyond the realm of possibility. What do you see AI as how is it you see it influencing the music industry as we move forward? Well, I think you'll see more and more influence on the on the most commercial offerings just because that's the you know the the AI can can look similarly to how the the streaming platforms algorithms look at things and they can say well you know okay this is this is done well this is what we need to do to do well this is how we'll put it together so i think it's it's ultimately going to just continue to refine the um the sounds to a certain point but what's also i think ultimately where it's going to fail is people are going to get tired of that there's always trends and it's not going to be able to predict the next trend. And in a lot of cases, nobody really can. But somebody comes up with something that's different in sound. So at least as AI stands now, it can look at what's been done, but it can't necessarily do something new. Right. And when it, when it actually can, that's kind of when I'll probably hang up, hang up <laughs> my pen and paper. But I think... I think what will happen is it will, you know, it will basically bring the bring very bring the trends to having a shorter life cycle because essentially it's going to write the perfect song, you know, it's going to write the perfect pop song or it's going to write the perfect reggae song or it's going to write the you know the perfect blues song, you know, and then everybody's going to want to move on to something different because okay, well, all right, you know. Then they're done that. Okay. Oh, all right. This is a little different. You know. Here we go. Let's listen to. Let's listen to this. So, I think on the, you know, on the, on the on the mass market scale, yeah, it's going to get used. I think on the, you know, in the more more niche oriented uh, writers and producers, I think it's it's going to be an assistant, but not. It's not going to take over the job. Because it's not, you know, at this point, it's not ready to predictively innovate what people are going to want to hear. And in a lot of cases, with that, you know, with us as writers, it's a lot of times it's, you know, sometimes it's just, you know, we, we stumble on the inspiration and it hits. Uh, you know, sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> 
Well, you know, it, it, to me, I look at them as, as tools. You know, I remember when the drum machine and MIDI came into the scene and, you know, the whole music industry was in an uproar about how you're dehumanizing music with these computer-generated um, tools, you know, and now they're part and parcel of our toolkit that we have them in every studio. Um, you know, it's it's part of what we use to create music. If you use it as a tool and not as a um, uh, something that generates it in in entirety, but take the inspiration that it throws out there and inject your humanation or human um, creativity to it, then um, it can be a real effective tool. Uh, I read a book one time that said that, you know, that when it comes to hit songs, it's, you know, um, 80% familiarity with 20% surprise. And you can find that familiarity through AI, but use your human creativity to create that 20%, that surprise, you know? Right, and that's and that's really what's going to have to be done. As I said, it, the AI can't can't produce that. And likewise, you know, the the MIDI or the drum machine or whatever couldn't produce that either, but it it gave it's given a lot of people, you know, various opportunities to you know, to create something that, you know, previously to go in, you know, for example, some of the stuff that I started when I started writing again 12, 12 13, 14 years ago. You know, was to sit down in Pro Tools and and put together a put together a drum track and a bass line, and then kind of decide, uh, you know, all right, where do I want to where do I want to go with this now? Uh, you know, it wasn't in wasn't in my budget to be pulling people over in order to have a live room. You know, but I could sit down at the computer and I could I could plug in direct and I could you know I could I could create a very very nice demo that gave a great idea of where I wanted to go with something. Right, right. And I think AI is going to kind of fall into that same category. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, now, um, when the uh, before the pandemic, content creation and social media was important for the independent artists. But once the pandemic hit, that world got accelerated. Um, we started doing live streams because we had to stay connected to our fans. We had to create income streams, uh, revenue streams that, you know, made sense. We put up the tip jar, um, you know, and then as the months turned into years, we we had to evolve that content and it became, you know, where you showed your hobbies, your kids, your, your, your family life, your, your barnyard animals, your excursions that you did, you know, through Instagram and Twitter and TikTok and, you know, Facebook live and reels. And it almost kind of bordered on that reality show kind of mentality where you were giving your fans this inside look at who you are as a person. It became the new branding opportunity. You look at someone like Taylor Swift. I mean, she's a genius at this and has created this huge army of fans that that rapidly follow her um you know on social media and that's become the new tool for the um 
the independent artist. And like I said, you know, we're all walking around with a, a, a video production studio in our pockets. You know, so creating this content is not as daunting as it would, you know, was 10, 15 years ago. What are some of the things that you were doing to... Um, create content to advance your brand and to get the word out on this new release well i'm just starting to ramp that that up and you know in the the past two albums were always just you know what was going on you know surrounding the surrounding the creation of the new release and you know maybe what was going on in in my life at the same time, just to kind of give people some insight into, you know, what was going on that that inspired some of the things, um, you know, that 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 pushed the music forward. You know, so while I was still still working at the fire station, you know, it wouldn't be uncommon to to see just, uh, you know, some of the some of the things we had been involved in, whether it was a whether it was a fire or or sometimes sometimes some very odd things that we were, would would be called to respond to and you know just some insight into uh into what my my day was like and uh you know now it's focuses a little more on the on where things are going with the production and and you know what what to expect um you know i tend to you know previously it was always well let's put out an album and generate a lot of buzz and it's been in the streaming world it's it's been much more beneficial to to kind of release a, a number of things as singles ahead of the album just to you know keep people's attention as new material comes out and uh you know a, a good friend of mine uh, christina lacoste who sang background on uh, both the previous albums and and i think is going to be featured on on this next one as well uh her full-time band lady lupin had put out a a cd that was that was 12 songs and they released one each month and so they they had they had things carefully themed i was like you know like wow what a what a what a cool concept so it allowed Hmm. them to to maintain their presence both on streaming and in and in social media and then kind of the whole then uh you know culminated at the end of the year with with the album coming out so you have to get kind of creative about how you work uh you know how you work the social media platforms because people's attention is very short (laughs) and you have to give them something that will that will catch their attention keep them you know keep the brand active in their in their mind and uh you know that's that's how you you know that's how you how you convert them into you know wanting to listen to the entire album you know more importantly wanting to go to a show where you where you might actually get some return on investment okay well you know i really appreciate you coming on the show and talking with us it's it's been a real pleasure and uh we're going to give everyone out there a double shot from your new release um you know what tell you what turn it up loud screw the neighbors we're gonna have some fun tonight
artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution.
can't be Life is a cruel Twisted bitch that way And I'm sick and tired Of the games it likes to play So now I'm done Playing life's games Throwing in my cards I'm not running this race Turning my heart into stone I'm checking out And I ain't never going home From under you, my friend While you're on the ground It'll kick you once again You can try to cheat it You can try to lie And somehow it knows And it'll knock you down a side So now I'm done Playing life's games I'm throwing in my cards I'm not running Would just leave me alone well, I'm checking out I ain't never going home
shows, curl up in a duvet, maybe even draw up a bath and see where the night takes you. That sounds real nice.
you realize how could there possibly be this many blues
no sale No danger to you <laughs>
Sometimes I guess there just aren't enough rocks.
Stare at your 
Here's the blues scale.
Now you sing it with me. Breathe. La. Let's try it like this. I got back on my feet, I put my fears aside, and I spent the spirit moving in the blink of an eye. Now I can use my powers for the good of the world. I can feed the helpless children and empower the girls. But my protests turned ugly, and they jailed me for the day. I'm just trying to make a difference, so get out of my way.
service for me. But uh, until that day, accept this justice as a gift on my daughter's wedding day. Like the night is closing 
nightclub on the edge of town. It's a pleasant environment, but uh, but in the 21st century, uh, you know, you don't even have to leave the couch. Just turn on the TV and commercials or as theme songs, you will see and hear the blues are everywhere. I'm Elwood.
flows like a stream I wait More times than not I can't pay To each their home Trying to make it through and pain It's a waste of time to complain Just grit your teeth and hope your aim is true
That's my show for tonight. I hope you enjoyed yourself. I hope you heard some artists that you didn't know about and enjoyed some artists that you did. And remember, all of these artists that I played on this show are out there right now, touring and creating new original music rooted in the blues. If you want to keep the blues alive, you have to support the artists who are out there creating that new music. Because it is a living art form that is being performed every single night somewhere in the world. So, if you get a chance, stop by our website, 
at makingascene.org. You can find out about some great new artists and the ones that we played on this show tonight. Add them to your playlist. And you can discover them on our website. So, till next time, this is Lahamadu. Tech, I'm out of here. Baby, just gone away. Doctor things left on with my friend. I gone, lost my dog, I'm alone. Just fought somebody. I mean, you found it funny.